640. It's later with Mo Kelly. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. And driving in today, I couldn't help but notice it was pretty damn sunny. The sun was shining bright. Hillary had left Southern California. And for me, I can't speak for you. For me, the first tropical storm to hit Los Angeles in, I don't know, 80 years or however long it was, was relatively uneventful where I lived. It was a lot of rain, a lot of rain, but I didn't endure any flooding. And I'm about maybe three, four miles from SoFi Stadium. So you get an idea of where I am. There were no winds, but there was some flooding in and around the area in which I lived. But I'm actually pretty thankful. And the prevailing question that I heard from people is like, well, why did we close the schools for this? Why were we so overprepared? We'll see in the question is the answer. Imagine because we didn't necessarily know exactly what was going to happen on Sunday night slash Monday. Imagine that it was hurricane force winds. Imagine that we had thousands of kids in school. When it got to be the worst. Imagine that. And then we have a whole nother, as they say, a whole nother problem to deal with. Another situation where you have families trying to get to kids and you you don't necessarily have you don't necessarily want those other issues when you're trying to deal with keeping people safe. So I understood going in the nature of the the warnings. If you've been listening to KFI AM six forty, we told you about all the the evacuations. All the areas in which were flooded. We we're trying to give you that information so you could be somewhere and be somewhere safe. So I understood intellectually why we didn't necessarily want our kids in school. The, the schools were shut down. They'll be going back to class tomorrow. You might have heard Mark Ronner talk about it during the news break. And I say all's well that ends well. Now, there are some people who are doing are dealing with um, considerable flooding. There's some flood damage, obviously, that people are having to deal with. But um, I can say that at least for me, and you might have heard me speaking with Tim Conway Jr., I didn't have to pull out my generator. We did not have any interruption of power where I lived. I can't speak for Stefan or Mark or Tuala, but my experience with Hurricane Hillary was benign, relatively speaking. And I was doing a hard workout on Saturday and Sunday morning. We have a running joke here about we don't talk about earthquakes unless they're at least a 5.0. Well, all I can say is allegedly there was a 5.1 or a 5.5 somewhere in the 818. I didn't feel it. It's not alleged. It happened. I don't have any proof that it happened. I was asleep taking my afternoon nap as I want to do on a weekend day. The dogs didn't bark. My wife didn't feel it. It didn't wake me up. I didn't know, actually, I did not know that there was an earthquake until I woke up and I saw my phone and it showed an emergency alert, which was like 20 minutes prior. So the alert didn't wake me up. The earthquake did not wake me up. The dogs didn't bark, so they didn't wake me up. My wife didn't feel it in the house. There was no indication that there was any earthquake anywhere. I would like to tell you about the earthquake, but I don't have any memory of it. There's no evidence of it. I can't prove it happened beyond what has been said in the fake news media. I can tell you for a fact that it happened. What did you feel? I got the alert saying that an earthquake is pending less than 20 seconds later. Boom. Now, I felt shaking. Now, I will say this. 
that's the first earthquake alert that I've ever received. And it wasn't through the app that we had talked about years ago. Yes. It, it, it is interesting that we got an actual earthquake alert. We've got flash flood alerts. We've gotten all sorts of uh, fire alerts mm-hmm. and uh, um, all sorts of uh, disaster alerts, flooding. But I'd never received an earthquake alert. And I didn't get it until 20 minutes after the fact. I didn't get it personally. You know, it was on my phone. Everyone in my house got it. And I can now say that that 20 or more seconds, maybe 20, 30 seconds or so, did allow for us to get up and kind of like move away from an area that we may have thought could be dangerous, like away from picture frames and things like things on the wall. It was good enough. All right. Um, Stefan, did you feel the earthquake? I was going to say, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. The only reason I even Thank knew you. about the earthquake was text from my parents saying, did you feel that? <laughs> And I didn't no. even realize that. Yeah. So, so the fact that it's 5.1 is kind of shocking. Yeah, I, I, I honestly did not feel it. Mark Ronner, you're not even from California, so you would probably be a bit more sensitive to earthquakes. Did you feel it? I didn't feel a thing. And in fact, if I had, I probably would have chalked it up to the antibiotics I'm on right now. <laughs> so you're high on the air, huh? No, not high. It, uh, I don't know if you know what those do to you, but they can cause some rumbling. I would have just chalked it up to that. <laughs> Okay, but it seems like overall the weekend went smoothly. I know, Mark, you were on the air. Yeah, I was a little bit hectic, but I was happy to be here. I love uh, being in the middle of news when it's all hands on deck and there's serious stuff going on. And this this goes all the way back to my newspaper uh, days. I was happy to to be in the chair. Did you have to deal with any flooding either going or coming from the station? It was a white-knuckled death drive on the way in here. <laughs> I can imagine I, that. Uh, I actually didn't know that I was – I didn't realize I was supposed to be working Sunday. I thought I had the day off, and so I was in kind of a hurry to get in. Uh, and, boy, people are still driving nuts, even in the middle of a tropical storm, which – surprise, right? Yeah, absolutely not at all. <laughs> no, no. Not at all. No. I, thankfully, on the way home late last night, the roads were a little empty. Uh, but, uh, boy, you just stay off the roads next time. You know, and that's why I tried to stay home as much as possible over the weekend. Um, I went out early Saturday day, and that was pretty much it. I was just in after that, and I just tried to keep myself um, available if the station needed me and at home because we have the, the ability to broadcast, if need be, from our our residences, if if need be, like in an emergency situation. So my thinking was I was going to stay close to some sort of broadcasting equipment. Yeah, you got one of those fancy home studios. I want one of those. You can have it too. There's nothing special about my studio. No? No, I, I, I do it piece by piece, and it took me a while. I used uh, most of COVID to put it together. And, and I've told the story before, but let me just back up and tell yeah, yeah. people who might not have heard it. Back in January of 2019, Kobe Bryant, I think it was 2019. Yeah, Kobe Bryant had died. And Robin, our boss, had called me and said, Mo, can you get to the studio so we can talk about it as the news was breaking, talking about uh, being in the the chair and, and talking about news as it happens is what we do. Well, I physically could not. I, t- I told Robin, like, I can't get to the studio for at least two hours. I forgot where I was, but I was nowhere like n- near uh, Burbank. And so that started the conversation about having people having uh, the equipment to, if need be, uh, broadcast in um, high leverage news situations or when there's breaking news and so forth. So I started piecing things together. And then like three months later, COVID hit. Okay. Well, this is an aspirational goal for me to have equipment at home. 
so that I can broadcast the news in my underpants. Okay, well, I have equipment I can give to you. Well, I'm glad I came in today. This is shaping up pretty good. Well, you know, like Stevie Wonder said, that's what friends are for. Absolutely. When we come back, we have more information about the departure of Hillary and some of the lasting effects. Just in case you want to go to the airport, don't be surprised if your flight has been delayed or canceled, even still, because airports are still trying to catch up with the delays and cancellations from over the weekend. We'll tell you about it. You're listening to Later with Mo Kelly on demand from KFI AM 640. It's later with Mo Kelly, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. And don't forget, you can talk back to us when you're listening on the iHeartRadio app. Simply tap the microphone button on the station page in the app and record your message. We also have a new way for you to send us talkbacks, and that's with your Amazon Alexa-enabled device. All you got to do is tell your Alexa device, send a talkback to KFI AM640, and your message will be sent directly to us. And we've had a number of issues with flights, various airlines, various airports over the past year. And Hurricane Hillary, Tropical Storm Hillary, however you want to characterize it, is the latest issue for our airports to deal with. And hundreds of flights across the country, but specifically in the Southland, were canceled or delayed today. Today, not Sunday, but today. And this is in response to, I would say, the the holdover of Hillary and also the events of Sunday in which Hillary had impacted air travel. Like, for example, Hollywood Burbank Airport is maybe three, four miles from here. It was one of the hardest hit airports in Southern California in terms of delays and cancellations. There were more than 30 flight cancellations and 10 delays just today. And that's according to FlightAware. And, and this is like a, a cascading effect because these flights are canceled and delayed and it pushes uh, other travel difficulties into the next day. Hollywood Burbank, as of earlier today, was reporting 41% of its arrivals and departures were canceled as of 3 p.m. yesterday. So this is going to roll over into Tuesday as well. Orange County, John Wayne Airport, 20% of of departures and 21% of arrivals were canceled yesterday. I don't have any information on today. LAX, 18 flight cancellations and 60 delays as of earlier today. That was today for Monday. And across the nation, there were 2,500 flights delayed within, into, or out of the U.S. on Sunday alone. And 1,006 flights canceled as of yesterday. And there are probably, obviously, more today. So it's going to take... A moment or two before we get our balance back from Hurricane Hillary. But I look at this big picture. And I look at this big picture within the context of what's happening in Hawaii. We came out pretty good. All things considered. It could have been much worse. We knew that it was a hurricane for uh, category four at one point. And if you know anything about them, uh, how this all works when it hits land, it usually slows down and loses uh, power and um, energy, and that's what happened. It, by the time it got to Los Angeles, it was a tropical storm, but we're dealing with more than f- more flooding than anything else. We're not dealing with loss of structures. We're not dealing with loss of life, knock on wood. We're not dealing with widespread devastation 
which is usually connected to hurricanes, which is usually connected to these mass floods that we've seen in different years. We didn't deal with that. And I think part of it is because we had a much more sober approach to it. We were approaching it as if this could be something very serious. We knew that it would be very dangerous, and we made the the steps in advance I, th- I think for the most part, when I drove home on Saturday and I was in the house by maybe two, three o'clock on Saturday, the roads were pretty empty. People, I think for the most part, in my limited sample of driving, I could tell driving the 405 on Saturday, what it usually feels like. Well, it was maybe one tenth of that this most recent Saturday. Didn't go anywhere Sunday, but for what I could tell, looking out the window in my neighborhood, fewer people on the major thoroughfares. You know, I could look out and see if a, a few of the streets. And I think that helps in the grand scheme of thing. You know, fewer cars on the freeways, fewer accidents, fewer spin outs, fewer uh, casualties. So I think it all works together. I think because we all took it collectively seriously, notwithstanding the fools that Mark probably saw out there driving ridiculously, I think we did pretty well. I think you're exactly right. And I'd rather be overprepared for something like this than underprepared any day of the week. Yeah, because there were a few people, even when I was on on Saturday, we kept saying, hey, it's downgraded to a Category 2. And we had to remind people, even if it's a Category 2, that's nothing to thumb your nose at. It really, really isn't. Everyone did take extra precaution. Disneyland and the theme parks uh, took it serious. A lot of them, they said, hey, you know, we're going to close early. Uh, All except for the Rose Bowl. Because there were still some 55,000 people that showed up for uh, Carol G. And really? That, that took me, I don't know how long to get out of Dina because I got stuck in the incoming traffic. It was insane. Oh, and this is something else. You may remember there were a lot of professional sporting events which were changed, not canceled, but changed or maybe moved up to Saturday and so forth. I think that's a part of preparing to avoid um major problems you know if if anything it encourages people and allows people to be home to not be on the roads and if you went to the to the games at sofi stadium on saturday the rams game or in the chargers game whatever then you were able to be home you weren't necessarily at a football stadium on sunday when there's a hurricane approaching i think that's a sober way to to approach it and it, it makes it, it alleviates other potential problems. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and to Mark's point, yeah, we're going to err on the side of caution. We're going to be overprepared as opposed to underprepared because there is already historical precedent for lack of preparedness. We can talk about Hurricane Katrina. We can talk about Hurricane Sandy and how my feeling was there was underpreparedness, which uh, inflamed or made those situations worse than it should have been. If you remember Hurricane Katrina, it was more man-made disaster than it was actual Mother Nature. It wasn't the hurricane. It was the lack of people who could get out of the city and how the city failed to prepare where a lot of people died and were stranded. Now, there are a lot of other factors which went into why people couldn't get out. But when you prepare in advance, you give residents the best chance to avoid other trouble. That's all. That's all, you know, and and we'll have other issues with flooding probably for the next couple of days. But overall, I think L.A. did pretty damn well, pretty damn well. And and I think KFI was at the front of that, making sure that everyone was was informed and well aware of where the problem spots were, 
the places to avoid the evacuation orders which were going out. Because let's not forget, we had this conversation a few months ago about the importance of AM radio. This was that in real time. People could get up to the moment information where on KFI, how on AM radio, where in their cars, you know, on their phones. However, but they, but most importantly, they could get it in their cars while they were driving and not necessarily depend on the Internet to get that information. And that's why KFI is here. And that's why we're here to serve you. It's it, late. Go ahead. It's the public's airwaves providing a public service. And you can't find a better example of that than this weekend. There you have it. It's later with Mo Kelly. KFI AM 640. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. We have to talk about how Walmart, Home Depot, and Target almost unanimously, simultaneously are detailing this unacceptable amount of crime and how they are presenting it to their own companies. We'll tell you about it in just a moment. You're listening to Later with Mo Kelly on demand from KFI AM 640. First I smash it up. Then I snatch it up. That's how I do diggy do 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 that smash and grab. KFI AM six forty is later with Mo Kelly. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. And everyone's aware of the issue of crime in Southern California, retail crime specifically. But I don't know if everyone has thought about the the fullness of the issue. It's not just the smash and grabs. The, the mobberies, as some people are calling them, inside the store. Major retailers like Walmart, Home Depot, and Target, they're talking about the fullness of the whole retail process. In other words, when merchandise may leave the warehouse in on one side of the country and transporting it to the other side, and, and it's put on a rail or it's put on a cargo ship and or it's... Before it actually gets to the store, there's the issue of theft there, and there's also the issue of the theft in store. And all of this is setting these major retailers back. Target CEO Brian Cornell said last week that the retailer is up against, quote, an unacceptable amount of retail theft and organized retail crime, close quote. Walmart U.S. CEO John Ferner echoed the sentiment saying, quote, shrink has increased a bit this week, this year. It increased last year. It's uneven across the country. In the second quarter, and Home Depot said, quote, in the second quarter, our gross margin was 33%, a decrease of eight basis points from the second quarter last year, primarily driven by pressure from shrink, as in theft. Close quote. I can't speak for anyone else. Um, I frequent Home Depot and Target a lot. Those are the, the retailers which are in my neighborhood. I, I talked about this with you, Tuala. In some areas of town, Target has become kind of the de facto grocery store. They've increased their grocery offerings. And so I, there are times where I go there just to pick up a couple items. It's not going to be a full grocery store, but you can find some stuff there. So I find myself in Target and Home Depot more than anything. I don't go to Walmart. That's like... Waffle House after 2 a.m. with no waffles. I, I just don't go there yeah. because nothing good happens at Walmart. You know, say what you want about me, but I stay away from there. But Home Depot and Target, those are the places I go. Now, I, now, I wonder if I am special in this regard. When I walk into Target or Home Depot, I now actively think about the possibility of there being some sort of flash robbery and how I will or will not respond in that event. Now, I've been in some of these places and I've seen someone, you know, steal something, some basic theft. 
and I haven't said anything because, you know me, I don't want to get involved. But if there's a flash mob and other people are getting hurt, you might have seen the video of the woman who was dragged by her purse for like, I don't know, 10, 15 feet. You know, how am I going to respond? Am I going to respond? Now, I know if someone were to come at me instinctively, I'm going to respond just out of desire to protect myself. But if I see someone else who may be harmed, if I see a woman who's being harmed, I'm definitely jumping in. I'm not even thinking about that. But these are the active conversations I'm having with myself each and every time I'm in a retail situation. And I wonder, I wonder if I'm the only one. Because for me, I don't think of the smashing grabs in an abstract way. I don't think it's over there. I don't think that it's not going to happen where I am. Almost in a way that we talked about mass shootings. I assume that it could happen anywhere, anytime, by anyone. And so I'm always on alert. And now I find myself always on alert in damn Target. <laughs> it's interesting. The Target that I go to the most in Pasadena, they have increased their security by a lot. There is now security at every entrance. Multiple security guards in their blue shirts identifying, letting you know that we are secured. They do not look like they're there to play. Um, and there are now security uh, teams roaming around because, yeah, you I and I have seen I have seen groups of kids coming in there, running down the aisles, grabbing skateboards and just skating down. So I'm just like, if they're just here just to take care of these kids because one of these young people run bump into me. I don't want to have to react. So I appreciate the fact that Target has increased their uh, their security teams twofold. Plus now everything is locked up. Every aisle, damn near everything has a bar or a gate on it. Like you're not getting anything without calling. Not running someone. in and running out with no, the police. No, no, no. And I, and I wonder, I wonder, uh, last week I was talking about this and I talked about how the Nordstrom and Delamo was less susceptible to it. And then some Nordstrom employees reached out to me and hit me on Instagram in a direct message at Mr. Mo Kelly and said, they've been hit. They just not have been hit on a wide scale, like the you know 30 and 40 people at a time, but they'd have five and six people who would come in and steal stuff at the same time. Wow. So, it's, so it's more on a smaller level with that particular Nordstrom, but not the large organized thefts that we've seen on TV. Mm. But me, I, I, I think about it, you know, it's probably going to happen one of the times I'm in Target and I'm thinking in advance, am I going to get in or am I going to stay out? And I think the dividing line for me is I'm not trying to protect anybody's merchandise. Sorry, I'm not I'm not getting shot. I'm not getting in a fight. I'm not nothing for some merchandise that I don't own. And if I did jump in, they're not going to give it to me for free as like a reward or anything like that. But for me, the dividing line is if I think someone else is getting hurt and I can help, I, I, I don't know if I can walk away. I, I, that's just me. Mark, what about you? Same thing. But also, I've suffered from hypervigilance my entire adult life. I mean, I was a lifeguard when I was in college, okay? Really? So whenever I am What in job a... did you not have? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, lifeguard, uh, writer, uh, porn star, what I forget. <laughs> yeah, there's some things that you're going to find out as we spend more time <laughs> together that you're not going to believe and it's going to kind of blow your hair, you know, what, what there is of your hair back. <laughs> um, but I'm just saying, I've always been hyper vigilant. What, what did he say to us? Well, you shave your head. Yeah, I know I shave my head. I'm not saying you're bald. <laughs> no, no, it looks. You went very personal. No, no, no. It wasn't. It it's was not like, an insult. It's unnecessary. It's let me like, let me put it this way: If I'm going like, to insult yeah, you, everybody's going to be aware that it was an insult. No. Why are we Why are we getting hung up on this? What? 
I, I, was, I was just asking about what he was nah, doing in this situation. No, no, he's gonna he's gonna do something. He's vigilant. Yes. Okay. Sure. Can we reset? <laughs> okay. Please let's okay, reset. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm just saying I've always been hyper vigilant, lifeguarding the whole thing. Um, I was. Here's something. I was recruited out of college by the CIA to be a case officer in their clandestine section. Uh, so this just kind Damn, of. Damn, dude. So <laughs> things were finding out. <laughs> and so this kind of uh, vigilance that you're talking about when you go into a store, I've been that way for years anyway because of the mass shootings. And, you know, I mean, we're in a big city and I came from a big city. And so the smash and grab robberies just add to that. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I go into a store or a movie theater or whatever, I'm always looking at escape routes, all of that kind of stuff. I'm not going to go down the whole list, but you know exactly what I'm talking I about, do. right? I do. Stefan, what about you? Have Have you changed your day-to-day behavior in any way regarding smash and grabs, overall perception of crime, and how it may impact you? Yeah, 100%, kind of like you just take you know, survey, survey of the whole store. But even the whole, like, uh, you know, when you're walking in a, in a parking garage, like the one we have here, I you wouldn't think twice, but now I'm, I'm looking over my shoulder every time just to make sure. Cause you never know who's just might creep around the corner. Oh, this parking garage here is just, yeah. Yeah. I always assume someone is there waiting on me. This That's, is a great spooky parking garage that I hope yeah. somebody shoots a horror film in someday. Yeah. Because there, have you seen the movie? P two, no. It's an it's another suspense film about a woman trapped in a parking garage by a psychopath. We can do better than that right here downstairs. Our our parking garage for those who haven't seen it, it's massive. It's mostly underground. It's not super well lit. All those columns and pillars. It's very easy to get corners. lost. People and- can hide hide behind pillars. It's one of those things where, and honestly, usually when, especially the female employees leaving here late at night, I'll usually walk down with them because it, it, it's, it, ooh, it's sketchy at times. Especially when, like Mark said, it legitimately looks like a horror scene when the lights are flickering or they don't turn on at all. It's quite deep as well. It's cavernous. You look, yeah. look down the stairs and see how far down it goes. But that's <laughs> say nothing is when you leave iHeart, it's usually pitch black in front of it going yeah. to the stairs. It's just you you just wait for someone to jump out the bushes. Let me tell you about the time in which some raccoons jumped out of the bushes and accosted Tawala. <laughs> yes. That's a true story. Yes. Chase me back in the building. <laughs> That's a true story. And I say nothing to the squirrels. Anyhow, it's later with Mo Kelly. KFI AM640. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. When we come back, we'll talk about dogs and dog ownership here in California. It's very, very expensive. You're listening to Later with Mo Kelly on demand from KFI AM640. Dogs of the world unite. Dancing dogs. KFI AM640. It's Later with Mo Kelly. Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. We have some cool news to announce to you. KFI is sending you and a friend to Las Vegas for the 2023 iHeartRadio Music Festival. I'm talking about two nights featuring Foo Fighters, Lil Wayne, Tim McGraw, and more. You'll get access to iHeartRadio's all-new house of music, a gas car to fuel your road trip, and we'll put you up at the MGM Resorts destination. Plus, one grand prize winner will go backstage for an exclusive experience with one of the artists from the festival. Visit MGMResorts.com today to plan your dream Vegas getaway to your favorite MGM Rewards destination. 
So, in the meantime, keep listening to KFI for your chance to win a road trip to the 2023 iHeartRadio Music Festival. And keep on listening to Later with Mo Kelly as we'll be giving away another pair of tickets to see Maxwell at the Hollywood Bowl next month. As you heard in the intro, Atomic Dog, California is the most expensive place to own a dog. And that kind of makes sense. I mean, it's probably the, the most expensive place to, to own a, a rock. It's the, the most expensive place to cut your grass. It's the most expensive place to pay for a prostitute. It's the most expensive place to, you know, to buy some baby powder. It's the most expensive place to get toilet paper. It's the most expensive place to pay the rent. It's the most expensive place. Right? Right? All right. Anyway. To exist. Yes. To breathe. <laughs> the air costs more out here. But in terms of owning a dog, California dog owners pay an average of $35,452 over their dog's lifetime. And this is assuming on average that a dog will live around 11 years. And that's taking into uh, consideration pet insurance premiums, vet care, and dog food. And let me say, I don't care if it was $85,000. It would be okay with me as my dogs are family members. And I do not apologize for that in any way. So if I, as a as a resident of California, I'm paying more than New York, paying more than Massachusetts or New Jersey or Washington, the next four states after California, it's okay. Because when I got Riley and Benson, I wasn't thinking about, well, will I be paying less than New York? No. Was I thinking about would I pay less than Washington? No. Can I get this dog on a discount? Can I take it to the vet on a discount? Or why don't we move to another state because it'll cost less to care for the dog? I wasn't thinking about any of that shit. It's just a matter of it's Riley and Benson. They are family members. I would do anything for them except jump in a lagoon, you know, save them from an alligator. I wouldn't do that. No, no alligator. That's where so you draw the line. That's why we don't live in Florida because, yeah, you know, yeah. that's a real thing out there. This isn't surprising, though. I, I, I have never known a dog owner that has not paid a lot for their dog care. Just general, if you care about the dog, I know some people who are like, you know, they just leave the dogs in the back and let the dogs be dogs. They just fend for themselves. No, to me, I'm like, why do you own the pet? But actual dog owners who the dog is an extension of your family. Right. Then, yeah, you're going to take care of them as such. And I can say confidently that my two dogs cost less than your two kids. Now you're on to something. Yeah. Because that's, that's my true, dog man. didn't go see Taylor Swift. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, we can end the conversation there. I'd like to argue with you. Yeah, I, I don't know if I can. I mean, my dogs like music, but they're not getting Taylor Swift tickets. You know, they're getting a treat. <laughs> that's it. And, that, and those are like 50 cents each. What are we saying here? I'm saying costs are relative in nature. As in, my relatives cost less than your relatives. <laughs> Give me, give me a random shot. That was freaking funny. That was great. Shame on you. Oh, no, no. Oh. That was on the fly. That was some Jesse Jackson Ryman-ish there, okay? Oh, man. I'm not getting enough credit. I haven't been giving myself enough credit lately. Your dogs will give it to you when you get home. I, I know. I know. And I look forward to it because every time I go home, it's almost like they, look, I will go out and take the trash out. And walk back in, and it's like I've been gone for four hours. Like, <laughs> they're so happy to see me. It's like I just walked. I just walked out and put put out the trash. You know. Now, if I could get my wife to appreciate me like that, we'd be getting somewhere. So if I could get my son to consistently take out the trash. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. <laughs> KFI AM six forty. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. 
Untangling the mess until it makes sense. KFI and KOST HD2. Los Angeles, Orange County. Live.